9,000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, it's The Rush with Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. You just got to start with a complete focus and toughness and consistent effort. That's before before trying to you know put magic dust and trying to change lineups, all this stuff, you might make it subtle changes, but it isn't this, you're not going to reinvent the wheel. It's got to start with a consistent, toughness, enthusiastic, togetherness bounce. Um, and that's that's the message, you know, of, of just, um, we've done things, we've been there in terms of competing and beating some of the best teams. Um, and we haven't played well with the exception of one game in two weeks. And so what we're doing is getting back to, we've got to get back to why we're good. We've got to be connected defensively. We've got to play with this great grit, this great grit. And we didn't play with grit last game. There, was, there, was, there, was, there wasn't the grit we need to beat the teams we're playing. And that's what the message is. Not like, hey, we're going to make these four changes and it's gonna, we're going to win. No, we've got to get back to grit, uh, passion, um, belief, belief. Um, we got to rebound. You know, we got to rebound. We got into massive foul trouble in West Virginia, you know, with Tanner fouling out in 11 minutes and Sam fouling out at 13. There's a frustrated Porter Moser, as you can imagine. His team is 12 and 11, less than three hours until tip time in Waco, 8 o'clock on ESPNU. How about this, Travis? It was Baylor minus 10 when we started the show today. It's now Baylor minus 9.5. The spread is dropping in what OU's favor. The Sharps are in on the Sooners. The Sharps, no. Yeah. Uh, Baylor, 86% uh, chance to win tonight, according to the ESPN Basketball Power Index. Tickets as low as $2 at the Farrell Center. That's interesting. Baylor's a top 15 team. Um, how's the uh, how's the fan base going to consume this game tonight? One, are they going to consume this game? Two, are they still locked into this basketball season? Or three, yeah, they're watching it, but they're going to hate watch it tonight. You know, I, I think I think a lot of people are willing to give it the first half. You know, uh, I, I think we'll see a bit of the first half because I think Tyler, I think a lot of people are saying, okay, I'm going to watch this to determine whether or not I'm going to go to that KU game. Oh, no. Really? Uh-oh. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be at Norman for it. I, it's a noon game on Saturday, playing the Jayhawks at home, the LNC. I'll be there for sure. Um, but I think a lot of people are at least like, look, I'd really like to go to this OUKU game, but if we get blown out again, I don't think I can, I don't think I can muster it. Yeah, um, it'd be ideal not to lose by 30 points tonight. I mean, you just haven't been playing well here recently, and that's – that's a big issue. It's, you know, you, you had the Alabama win, but you've just followed it up with, Travis, some of your worst basketball of the year. Like, it's it's puzzling, it's disappointing, it's everything. Because you thought, okay, there's your second chance. Like you beat Alabama, which, by the way, like, that's got to go down as one of the more impressive wins of the entire season this year. Beating a team that's on the one line right now, 93-69, not just beating Alabama, but beating Alabama the way that you did, I actually think that that, in, in some weird way, adds to the level of frustration from this season, and especially these past two games where you just have not had good performances. It's almost like they've come out flat after that big win against Bama. It's, it's, it's weird. Right. It's, it's interesting. I would like to know when the Porter rumors really started to get dialed up. 
uh, and really started heating up because this team just hasn't played with the intensity that they did in that Alabama game. And I get it. We hit shots and they didn't hit shots. That's what a lot of this comes down to. Um, but, but yeah, it's, that's, that was an absolutely massive win, and that's why it's so frustrating. Yeah. Oh, it's like the football team. It's like we you look so good against Nebraska, so good against Nebraska, and I get Nebraska's no good, but you can tell by watching the game that we looked good. And then to come out and just who knows what happened. Yeah, um, OU's not even last four out. They're not next four out. They're not even listed right now in bracketology. Not not a good place to be as it's the uh, final stretch of the season. Oki Drink Slinger says, uh, when does softball start again? That is tomorrow, Oki Drink Slinger. Basically saying, eh, basketball, whatever, when does softball season start? you got to wait about 25 more hours and you'll get softball once you get in your life. Uh, four seven nine on, on float on flow. Yeah, flow. Yeah, flow softball. That's that's not gonna be great. Let's be honest. Basketball is not that big of a deal in Norman, says this texter. Is there another universe that OU uh, cans the basketball program and puts more into football? I know this is probably crazy to mention, but why is that? We suck, have sucked, and no one really cares. They're not going to can a program that was in the Final Four less than ten years ago. Right. We, we've, we've been to the Final Four more recently than a lot of programs that don't think they suck or don't currently suck. Um, is it really yeah. that bad? I know it's bad right now. I'm not having a lot of fun watching this team either. But Here's cancel the basketball program. There are people that care. There are Ugh. people that care. I know it doesn't feel like it. But to say no one really cares is, is, is not accurate. But I, 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 do, I do understand the sentiment. Currently, yes, we suck. Hopefully, you know, the team that played Bama just shows up. Uh, but, yeah, it, not enough to to just totally scrap the entire program. Tyler would beat the number two team in the country by a million, like, yeah. a, like two weeks ago. Uh, by and the way, we want to get rid of the program. Breaking transfer portal news. Virginia transfer, uh, Virginia transfer linebacker Nick Jackson. It was down to OU in Iowa. He's 11th all-time in tackles in Virginia history. Down to OU and Iowa, and he just committed to Iowa about two minutes ago. So, Nick Jackson is off to Iowa City. That one had gone radio silent for a few days. We're kind of waiting to see what happens, and Nick Jackson finally picks Iowa. Yeah, and I think the longer this took, right, you wanted him to get in on spring ball, um, and I know OU was after him. But, you know, if we, if we saw how long it took people to pick up the system for Brent Venables, you know, m- maybe – Maybe maybe it's good. Canick's going to get all of the reps, or Kobe McKenzie's going to get all the reps, or at least long term it is. Lo- lo- the, like the best right. situation long term, like Stutzman's going to be a starter in my opinion. Like it would be a massive upset if Danny Stutzman is not a starter oh, next Stut- year. No, Stutzman. He's Stutzman, a starter. One of your like what? Uh, it, basically, if you were to list your absolute guaranteed starters on defense right now, he I would be. I mean, McCullough, McCullough and Stutzman. And, yeah. and Stutzman are your two. One and so, two. Bowman would be ranked high up. Maybe Bowman's your three. Oh, like Bowman's it. your three. Yeah, yeah, that's my bad. That's yeah. my bad. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah. like long term, though, like like where you're trying to go, like, yeah, I mean, if, if Canick starts, well, I don't know. I, I say if Canick starts. Maybe if Canick isn't starting, then Kobe McKenzie is starting, who technically right. has more years of eligibility. So, yeah, I mean, you, you'll take a one-year rental who definitely is a good player, and I think OU's going to have that probably at one of the safety spots, a safety transfer, Reggie Pearson from Tech. But long-term, sure, it's it's Jaron Canick or 
Um, Kobe McKenzie, they develop at that spot, and they have a really great year. That's right. probably best-case scenario long-term. Right, and, and you know, make don't confuse this with I didn't want, uh, you know, Nick Jackson because he's a stud. He's a three-time All-ACC guy. Um, he's, he's, he's not he's Deshaun a, McCullough, but he's a really good player. Yeah, he's Fair? a finished player. Yeah, absolutely, and he would have made this year's defense better had he, you know, been there and been engaged all spring and learned the system and gotten ready. But, you know, if if they like what they have in Canick, which I think they do, if they like what they have in Kobe, which they do, um, Kip plays behind Danny, so he's, he's not going to be in that role. But you've got options at linebacker now. Lewis Carter's a stud. I know, you know. Teddy's really high on Pachati. Um, and then Sammy Amosigo ranked as the number four linebacker in the country by the end of the cycle. So, and he's probably, his body is probably the most ready out of all the linebackers. Um, so, I mean, we're fine in the position. It stinks not to get him, but not the end of the world. Uh, big news today in college football. Uh, Mike Norvell gets a contract extension. He's going to make north of $8 million next year at Florida State. His extension is through 2029, and Travis and I were, I don't know, a, a little bit confused by that earlier in the show when that broke because he's overall like 18 and 16 at Florida State. Yes, they had a good year, a better year last year, and they got a, ha- they got a chance to have a really good year this year, but they still lost to the three best teams in the regular season that they played. So I think that this is a little too premature by Florida State. No one was seemingly trying to go after Mike Norvell in the offseason, but maybe it won't be that big of a deal. Maybe Florida State's off to the playoff. Maybe they're going to start uh, recruiting in the top ten once again. Maybe Mike Norvell will prove to be the next great head coach at Florida State, but he's got to accomplish quite a bit before we get to that territory. And I didn't ask you this in the first hour. I should have. Um, where do you think – what do you think Mike Norvell would fetch on the open market? After last year. Not $8 million, not what he's getting paid right now from Florida State. Right, right. Like, and, what, and what, what were the major jobs that were open? Um, does Nebraska hire Mike Norvell over Matt Rule? I don't necessarily think so. Does Auburn? Um, does Auburn hire yeah. him? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Like, he would have been a candidate for some of these jobs, but I don't know if he gets any of those big jobs over the guys that they that they hired at Nebraska and Auburn and, and some of those other jobs that were open. He might take Odom's spot at UNLV or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I maybe. Mean, I, and, and seriously, like, I mean, yeah, you have a good year, not a great year, but you don't give yourself any leverage moving forward if you're Florida State. And you could have just locked yourself into one of those, you know, kind of hellish contracts where you're like, crap, we got to pay this big buyout, which is – you know, going to limit some of this, that, and the other. Maybe we want those funds put elsewhere. It's it's constantly a an, an arms race with facilities. We'd probably rather spend that money on facilities, this, that, and the other. Like, you had no reason to give him a raise. Nobody was coming after him. He's not that worth that much on the open market. And now, if he continues to improve, he's going to want uh, he's going to want more raises, and you're going to end up paying the dude yep. twelve million dollars. He'll be one of the highest paid head coaches in 2024 if they have a great year this year. Yeah, you know, which is I, insane. It, and you didn't necessarily have to approach it that way after an 18-16 start. Also, in case you missed it, the Pac-12 is meeting with SMU today. Uh, San Diego State and SMU reportedly are the two targets for the Pac-12. And boy, the text line had an opinion on that. Uh, Fresno and UNLV, 
This texture says I'd go to the Big 12 and try to maybe get Texas Tech or Baylor. Uh, the Pac-12 is pretty snobby academically. That's why they have never offered Boise. I don't think it, anyone on the text line was too impressed with the Pac-12 trying to uh, poach SMU and San Diego State away. Yeah, because it's got to come from the G5 level, right? Like, And I know that, that those terms will be extinct um, sooner rather than later. But, I mean, I think, I think everybody in the Big 12 for the most part is – even if happy is not the word to use, uh, at least excited about the opportunity to be the next big dog of a P5 conference. And you guys can't see me, but I use the quotes, the air quotes. Oh, you did for P5. big dog. Oh, 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 for P5. Okay. Yeah. So it's like. I, I thought yeah. you used it for big dog and P5, but no, P5 is no. good enough. Because right. because I definitely a in my hand at first. So. I I think that that should be a thing. Um, if you go on TV or radio and you talk about the Pac-12 and Power Five, you have to use the quotations when you say Power Five nowadays. You have to because I mean, in, in nobody's in, in, like once USC and UCLA move, especially obviously OU and Texas is in this is in this boat. I mean, the Big Ten and SEC are just so far ahead, um, not only with just on-field success at the time, but brand and potential to have on-field success. Like, like I, I don't ever expect, like, Baylor and Texas Tech are never going to recruit at the level of Oregon no. or USC or – you know, ne- there could be ne- a one-year outlier, maybe, but I mean, never consistently. M- but I, even that one, I struggle with the one-year. I outlier. think the one-year outlier is maybe top ten, but not top five or anything like that. Like they're not gonna, they're not gonna be reaching those highs because so much of like the SEC's argument is, hey, come play in the SEC. Like nobody's saying that about the Big Twelve. Nobody will say that about the Big Twelve. No. So I don't think. Any team in the Big 12 is looking to jump ship out west because I think they're like, hey, look, if we can be, you know, the biggest fish in a smaller pond, at least there's something to that. By the way, uh, Twitter is working again. So the uh, poll that I told you I would put out on our uh, ref page at KREF Sports, 15 minutes ago, was finally able to do it. Uh, ref Army, who's your favorite assistant on the OU football staff? We were uh, throwing that around uh, about 45 minutes ago, and someone on the text line said, we'll throw it out on a Twitter poll and see. A little bit of a shocker so far. We are about 112 votes in. DeMarco Murray has 46% of the votes on favorite assistant. Bill Biedenboe has 34% of the votes. Miguel Chavis with just 16. Other was an option, and that's uh, 4%. But I I thought... um, or at least the text line thought DeMarco and Chavis would be one, too, and now Biedenboe's making a run at number one here. It would be an interesting uh, poll to watch. That, yeah, that that is interesting because, you know, during, or at least early in the season, you know, we had some people that thought, I think somebody said uh, Bill Biedenboe uh, is just collecting a check at this point. You know, he's stealing money at this point. Like, all right, let's let's relax a little bit. So Bill Biedenboe making a charge for number one as the favorite like assistant. Does. Like uh, he does, man. That yeah. guy's just a football dude. Yeah, and in, in the final six hours of this poll, Travis, he's going to make his most furious charge to the top. But I expect uh, DeMarco probably to end up number one on this list. And, hey, if you want to interact, 
uh, at KREF Sports on Twitter. Go follow us there if you if you haven't already. All right, 405-651-3439. We'll get back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line next and talk more OU football. Keep it locked on the ref. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the KREF app. Dorsey Jones Buick GMC in El Reno is family-owned and operated. Health insurance, don't get stressed. Call Robert Allison at 800-580-5587. That's 800-580-5587. Robert and his staff can help you avoid mistakes when purchasing individual or group health insurance. Allison Insurance, they are the experts. Again, that's 800-580-5587. Found an interesting list on 24-7 Sports today. Top 25 receivers uh, coming back in college football this year. There's some uh, notable players. Dante Cephas, who will be at Penn State this year. He was at Kent State last year. Brew McCoy, you recruiting fans remember him. Number 20 uh, coming into the season from Tennessee. Lad McConkey at Georgia at number 19. Mario Williams at 15, currently at USC. Um, and then you've got some other notable names like... Um, uh, Jacob uh, Jacob Cowling from Arizona, Xavier Worthy at Texas at seven, Johnny Wilson from Florida State at six, and then your top two were Emeka Egbuka at Ohio State and Marvin Harrison Jr. at Ohio State. No sign of any Sooners in the top 25 wide receivers going into next year. And I'm just wondering when's the last time that's been the case. Because it feels like OU's always had at least one Wide receiver coming into the year that you think, yeah, he's going to be really good. He's one of the top 25 wide receivers in the sport, but not this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Because I think Mims probably would have been oh, he preseason would have, yeah. top 25 last year, right? Oh, of, of course. Of course. Um, I'm trying Maybe to think. Maybe it's a lot more recent than, than what I remember, but you, you probably definitely had a – Top 25 wide receiver, well, I guess maybe outside last year, in most years in the past two decades. Oh, in, in most years, for, for sure. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, maybe, I'm trying to think who were the other receivers when, I don't think they overlapped. I'm trying to think when Hollywood first got here. 2017 was his first year on campus. Yeah, because him and – so D.D. would have left in 2016. Correct, yes. At, and then – C.D. and Hollywood, um, they were they, they were in the same class. They came right, in together. Right, but what I'm saying is I, I, I think on a preseason list, I don't think they would have – In know, 17, we, yeah, maybe. Yeah, like that, we, that we figured right. out how good they were, obviously. Um, but I don't – I think that probably was the last time on a specifically preseason poll that maybe OU wouldn't have had. Yeah, because you had CD and Hollywood coming back the next year, and both those guys would have been maybe top top five going into to this year. Like Ohio State has one and two. I don't know if those guys would have been one and two going into that year, but yeah, 2017 you had to replace a lot. You had to replace a head coach. You had to replace your all-time leading rusher in Samaj P. Ryan. Mm-hmm. You had to replace Joe Mixon. You had to replace your only Bolitnikoff winner. So, yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a pretty good guess. And that ended up being one of the best offenses that OU's ever had the 2017 yeah. year. Yeah, exactly. So Exactly. 
Um, but they're going to need a top 25 wide receiver if they want to get back to winning the conference and going back to the playoff. The question is, is who's that going to be next year? Jalil Farouk is probably your favorite, but I, yeah, think, it's, be I think it's anybody's game to be that, that number one guy next year. I think it's – I think Jaleel probably has the most upside, familiarity with the offense, everything like that. Um, I, they use him in so many different ways that I think they're going to continue to explore that. I mean, I, I think I think if you wanted to look for a snub on this list, then Jaleel would certainly be in that conversation. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, if he was there, he's probably at the very back end of, of this list. But Dante, he might be getting the also receiving votes. Yeah. Dante Cephas being at 25, I mean, we, we saw him last year. He's he's a he's a pretty good player. I mean, no, like, OU was trying to, to get that kid. Um, then he ends up going to Penn State. But, yeah, I, who, who, I, I think that this year it's maybe more wide open than most years on who's going to be your number one wide receiver. Again, I would give the edge right now to Jalil Farouk, but is there a path where one of these redshirt freshmen – or one of these newcomers end up being the number one wide receiver, like their odds aren't as high as Jalil Farouk's, but I don't think you can put it at zero percent chance that you know some of these first or second year guys end up being your leading receiver of the year. I think someone like Nick Anderson absolutely has that opportunity. Right. I, I spoke with some of the DBs a couple of weeks ago, um, and asked them who they thought the starter across from Jalil would be. Your mic's really low, or is that just me? Oh, that better. Yeah. There we go. So I asked a couple of the DBs uh, a couple weeks ago who they thought, after going against these guys in practice and everybody, like who they thought was ready to break out, who they thought the starter opposite uh, um, Jaleel would be on the other side, right? They said LV Bunkley Shelton actually um, would be the starter on the other side if they had to pick. Uh, But they also said with Nick Anderson that – while Jaden Gibson is taller, they said that Nick Anderson plays like a big receiver. Like he will get in, block you, be physical, go up and make the tough catches, and sneaky speed, right? He said, they said, man, you, you blink, and Nick Anderson's blown by you. So um, I'm, based on that, I'm, I'm pretty high on LV Bunkley Shelton and on Nick Anderson this year. I, am, uh, I, I like Nick Anderson. Wish, wish he would have stayed healthy. Throughout the course of the year, I right. think he would have had a obviously a much better chance to break through. But would he have one touch in the Cheese It Bowl game? I think was that was it. So you, you just got to hope that he stays healthy because it sounds like the uh, the potential is there. Text line says DJ Graham. Um, I look I, again like he's in the mix. I, I I think pretty much everyone's in the mix right now. I wouldn't put him in my top three to five of most likely to be wide receiver number one. And maybe that's just a flaw of mine or an oversight of mine, not giving him the credit he deserves. But I, I'd have some other players in there over DJ Graham as of right now. Yeah, one of them probably being Andrell Anthony, uh, brought up from the 918. Says, I'm hoping Andrell Anthony, transfer from Michigan, takes that deep ball speedster role. What do you think of him? Um, I think he's got, again, kind of like Tyler said, I think he's got opportunity. They brought him here for a reason. Right. I mean, if you feel like you don't need the guy, then you, you straight up save that scholarship for somebody else. Right. You 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 put it somewhere else. You put it on the offensive line. You put it on the defensive line. You put it in the linebacker core like they felt they needed help and they felt that Andrew Anthony was the guy to help them. So yeah. 
So, yeah, he'll definitely have something to say about it. Uh, this text from the 404, OU probably won't have a top 25 wide receiver, but they can't be – what is it? OU probably won't have a top 25 wide receiver, but doesn't mean they can't be productive as a group. I'll, I'll disagree with, with you a little bit there. I think OU does need a top 25 wide receiver this year to be the offense that they need to be this year to get back to winning double-digit games. And I would just point to the offenses of past years. And the best offenses that you can think of, a lot of those offenses don't have just one top 25 wide receiver, Travis. In some instances, they have two top 25 wide receivers. We mentioned the 2017 offense. That probably was the case, right? The 2018 offense. 2017 and 28 offense. Uh, 2017 and 2018 offense are considered, you know, one of the better offenses that we've seen in the past decade. Both of those teams had top 25 wide receivers. The 2008 offense, maybe the greatest of all time, had a top 25 wide receiver. If you go back and look at some of the best offenses, they have a dude out there playing at wide receiver. Like This team's got to find that guy. In fact, I think it's one of the bigger question marks you have offensively this year. Yeah, of course it does, unless Tyler, uh, you know, that running back room just runs for 350 a game. I mean, we saw in the uh, bowl game, you know they could they could run block uh couldn't pass block quite as well obviously that'll improve but no i think you're right i think you need that dude that can just go get open like go get open and uh i I think i think really you got to include tight ends in there uh, because when you look at you know even what georgia did they didn't really have dot like just flat out Dominant, dominant wide receiver. Lad McConkey was like their best wide receiver they've had, and he looks yeah. like me out there running around. <laughs> I might be taller than Lad McConkey. He had uh, he didn't crack the eight hundred mark. So uh, obviously Bowers was dominant. They like I said, they used their tight ends really well. Um, two of their top four receivers were tight ends. Another one, obviously uh, McIntosh, the running back. But yeah, McConkey, and then you got to drop all the way down. The next best receiver on their team had 337 receiving yards. So it can be done, Tyler, but you're also asking them to have explosive offense everywhere else and, oh, one of the best defenses in the country. So I think in this iteration of OU football, yes, you need a top 25 receiver. You know, I'm, I'm uh, stressing the importance of better wide receiver play at OU, and I, I think it absolutely it's, it, it needs to be better. This, I think every position group after a six- and seven-year has got to be better, but wide receiver is absolutely one of those. Stressing the importance of wide receiver and having that dude, uh, Ohio State has the number one Marvin Harrison Jr., and the number two player, Igmeka Igbuka, uh, at one and two at wide receiver going into this year. And I don't think that they're going to play in the national championship game this year. So it, it is important, yes, but Ohio State is showing us this past few years that you can be as good as you want at wide receiver, but you, you, better, be, you better be really good defensively too. And Ohio right. State Ohio, has not been that. Ohio State's had one of the best wide receiver rooms in the country for ever since Hartline's been there, really. Uh, but and they've got a great wide receiver tradition, obviously. But yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta have so much more. And Tyler, that's what we talk about, right? Complimentary football. You know, you can't give up what four sixty-plus yard touchdowns to Michigan and expect to win that game. You know, uh, to a running back that's got like one hand in a cast and he's the backup anyways. Like, you just can't have that happen. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I do think that the run game is going to be way different this year because I think 
you're you've got you know your your two you know uh, who we think is going to be RB1 or RB2 but as Teddy has alluded to I think Dylan Gabriel is going to actually run this year cuz Jackson Arnold behind him is, is way different than having Davis Bevel behind him so I I really do think that that zone read threat opens up a ton and I think if they see something working, they're going to stick with it. And then, yeah, if you need to take a deep shot, take your deep shots, get your intermediate routes open to Stogner. I think Stogner in the middle of the field is is something that a lot of people are forgetting about. Um, but as Jim and Arlington texts, <laughs> will the tight end be used more with Stogner back? Tight end was time. used quite a bit last year, actually. Great timing. Well, yeah, yeah, but in in a lot of different ways and kind of the, the same way. I think Stogner – Gives you more of that like red zone, big sure. body, box somebody out. Yeah, the, the, the tight end won't necessarily be used the same way next year as it was last year. Obviously, oh. versatility is a little bit different there. Hopefully, not a quarterback. <laughs> God, yeah. Thanks for putting that in my <laughs> dome. Heading towards the end of the show, Justin and Kawita says, "I hope it's Gavin Freeman." LOL. Gavin does not get open. Well, Gavin no, can Gavin run the does, jet sweep. Gavin does get open. Uh, it says there, yeah. Tight end is the question in my book from the 405. Um, yeah, I, tight end, like the question mark there falls pretty low for me. I, I'm more concerned about offensive line and wide receiver on the uh, on the offense. But, yeah, you got to replace Braden Willis, but you're bringing in a guy, Austin Stogner, that's played a ton of football. So they, they, sh- they should be okay at tight end. If tight end ends up being your biggest question mark, I think that that could be a, a very big positive for the team. Yeah, I agree. And, and tight end isn't really a position where you see a lot of like, you know, four deep rooms and stuff like that. So no, you'll have some you'll have some bodies in there. I know you're, you're waiting on a little bit of maturation physically, uh, but man, having a plug and play guy like Stogner who's already familiar with. Uh, you know Norman, uh, who who's played a lot of football and in some different offenses. No, I think I, I feel pretty comfortable with tight end now. Update on our Twitter poll at KREF Sports. Ref Army, who's your favorite assistant on the OU football staff? We're about 250 votes in. Demarco at 46 percent. Bill Biedenboe at 30 percent. Miguel Chavis at 21 percent. Other is at three uh, percent. So this will be an interesting race. We've got 23 hours and 23 minutes left, and I'm sure it's going to uh, come down to the final hour. So as Bill Beatenbow keeps charging, just just strong, yeah, strong work. I'm impressed. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Keep it locked on the ref. More football coming up next. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only one station for true Sooner fans, and that's the Ref Radio Sports Network and worldwide on the K Resource, which begins with taking care of our stormwater. Bag your clippings when mowing or leave them to break down and nourish your lawn. We drink our stormwater, so don't blow it by leaving your grass clippings in the street. For more information, visit bit.ly forward slash Norman Stormwater. Final hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson, OU Hoops coming your way tonight, 8 o'clock ESPNU. Sooners a nine-and-a-half-point dog to the Baylor Bears currently. OU uh, catcher Kenzie Hansen will not play this weekend in the opening series. 
Seems like she's got an appendix issue, but should be back uh, very shortly for OU softball. Um, I thought this was interesting from Dominic Riola, who is the father of the number one overall player in the 2024 class, Dylan Riola, a quarterback who was once committed to Ohio State, then decommitted to Ohio State. I believe Teddy played with Dominic uh, in Detroit. Dominic said this, quote, Nebraska is a sleeping giant. Matt Rule is a mastermind at rebuilding college programs, end quote. So it brings up an interesting question. One, is Dominic right? Is Nebraska a sleeping giant? And two, if not Nebraska, who currently is the sleeping giant in college football? I remember um, 15, 20 years ago, people saying that Clemson was a sleeping giant in college football, and that kind of proved to be accurate after they woke up. They won two titles in three years. But who's that sleeping giant right now in the sport if it's not Nebraska? Man, uh, I would have to go – I would have to go to where the talent is, right, Tyler? I mean, don't you have to go to um, maybe Miami, something like that? Maybe something, again, very close to talent. Uh, you know, if A&M ever got boosters and a coach to match their resources and their talent pool in the area, in that Houston kind of area, I think they would be uh, in good shape, but... No, I uh, I think my final answer would be Miami, just due to how much talent is in, in the area, specific to Miami. Yeah, well, we had the same idea, same conference. I had Florida State. Um, you got to think that the ACC is very gettable right now. I think it is. I went to the state with the most talent, a program like you that's won national championships before. Florida State was very, very consistent over the Bobby Bowden years in the in the in the late eighties, nineties, and early two thousands. So you and I are kind of on the same link there. I pick one Florida school, you pick the other, but either or one of those two would be a pretty good bet. And I think both would qualify as sleeping giants, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think when you I think when you really, you know, dial down, I know we talk a lot about how many five stars come from Florida. If you were to dial it down to like where in Florida they are, Ooh, they're everywhere. Ima- yeah, but I would imagine a lot of them come from the Miami area. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean they're everywhere in the state of Florida. Uh, Florida State, you know, closer to the Panhandle. Mm-hmm. For those of you that don't know where Tallahassee's located, but yeah, where's the majority? I-, I would say probably most years you're right. It's in that Miami Dade area, most yeah, likely. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, if you if you feel like geography isn't your best subject. Uh, followed college football recruiting. You will know where Seriously. the high schools are. You will know the you will know the DFW area much better. You'll know Florida high schools. You'll know all this. So you know, like I said, if you need to brush it up, just uh, just become uh, a, a recruiting fan. A lot of people are yeah. saying Tennessee on the Air Comfort Solutions text line again. That's four zero five six five one three four three nine. Give us your thoughts on who a sleeping giant is. In college football, Tyler, what do you think the um, qualifications are? Like, what, what's, what's the, uh, what's the criteria, the prereqs, if you will, for being a considered a sleeping giant? Been down at least eight years. Um, have won a national championship previously. Have shown before that you can win at a high level and consistently. Tennessee would qualify for that. It's definitely been over eight years since they've won their last national championship, but. I think there, there there were definitely times in the 90s when Tennessee proved that they can be elite uh, consistently. So I, I'm fine with Tennessee. 100,000-seat stadium, 
Very passionate fan base. Not a ton of local talent in their own backyard, but close to Atlanta, close to South Carolina. Like Knoxville is very much in the southeast. They can go to their region of the country and pick up enough players to be to be labeled as a sleeping giant. Sure, I don't think that Tennessee's ever going to get there, but is that a is that a good one? Sure, yeah, that, that's that's good. <laughs> from from the nine one eight Texas. Um, um. Well, I. I mean, <laughs> they got to get out of their own way first. They're, they're sleeping, that's for sure. Um. You know, we some got people two are... Rutgers on here. Doug and Norman Rutgers is always a sleeping giant. Well, they, and yeah. this is the, this one for the four hundred five. Rutgers is a sleeping giant. All they need is another leader like a Major Hoople to show up. They're in it. There. There's a difference between sleeping and being in a coma. Yeah, it's Rutgers two different is, things. Uh, in quite the coma. A couple of uh, people saying Dion with Colorado going to awake the sleeping giant. Do you consider Colorado a sleeping giant, Tyler? Um, they have won national championship. It's been more than eight years, but man, I they were good in what the late '80s and definitely the early and mid '90s, and had yeah. a little bit of a run in the early 2000s where they were in count them. One, two, three, four out of five Big 12 championships from 01 to 05. But that's like fringe to me. Uh, I, 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 like Regardless, I don't view Colorado as a team that's ever going to be a giant in this sport. Like If Dion has any sort of success, I think that he moves on rather quickly to another job. Anyone disagree with that? Right. I don't, I don't think he sees that as his final destination job right i i think that uh, i'd like to see whether Dion can recruit anything other than corners personally <laughs> seriously yeah i mean he trust me i, I know Dion. it can recruit there's no doubt about that but i don't he's he's recruited the best corners in the country two years in a row but i need to see if he can if he can round out the rest of the team he's got his son playing quarterback and if you you know pay attention to fox uh on Twitter, they really want him to be a Heisman candidate. I'm not sure if he is, um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Like I said, I know I know he can recruit corners. We'll see if he can, you know, if he can cut it in the uh, Pac-12. I know a lot of teams are upgrading out there. I'm not I'm not buying Colorado as a uh, sleeping giant. Uh, this one for the 918. Heck, feels like OU a sleeping giant after our last 18 months. Yeah. It's not. You're not wrong. But You're OU not. has been way too consistent to qualify as a sleeping giant. Um, Penn State's right. on here. I think Penn State's been – I don't think Penn State's been elite. I mean, they did just win the Rose Bowl this year. But I, um, I, I don't think Penn State would qualify as a sleeping giant either. And I don't see – I don't love Penn State's potential of being a giant in this sport either. I think I, – I, I, I'm going to stick with my Miami just because of, of – you know, the location and the resources and things like that. If Ruiz builds a stadium, then it's it's going it's going to go well. He I needs imagine. to build a fan base, too, because just like a stadium, a great home stadium, they don't have a fan base either. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think from the text line, my favorite answer is uh, Tennessee, uh, that yeah. I agree with most, at least. I think Tennessee, uh, when just with the fan base, with – you know the geography being close to recruits, being in a, being in the conference that's going to get the best recruits. Um, they want it. There's no doubt about that. Tennessee yeah. wants it bad, real exactly, bad. Exactly, exactly. I think 
you know, that stadium can can really get some momentum going to it. I think Tennessee, uh, some really good answers, really good answers all over the text line. I think some people are agreeing that Prime won't be a Colorado long yeah. enough uh, for it to matter. Uh, Oregon's on the list. Ole Miss is on the list. Wisconsin's on a list. Uh, Penn State, USC, Texas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, Rutgers, which still makes me laugh. So, we're yeah, we're kind of uh, – I think kind Yale Yale made an appearance. Yale and point. Harvard did. Yes. Oh, of course. It was very nice. Which, by the way, um, I strolled around Harvard. Uh, that was not a good Boston accent whatsoever. Mm, that but was weird. A couple of summers ago, we were walking around Harvard and their football stadium. It almost looks like an old. Um, it almost looks like an old coliseum. From uh, like in uh, in in uh, in Rome or something. It's, really? it's very it's very yeah. It, it was very different than any stadium I've ever seen before. But it was it was pretty cool. Big hmm. fan of uh, of the Harvard Stadium. It's just it was di- different. That's interesting. I we've got uh, um, Justin and Kawita who brought up Ole Miss. Lane is putting in some work over there. Here's the thing. I am not that sold on Lane Kiffin being the the best coach in the country. Like, and I know, and I know that's you know hyperbole, but you know, so many people are kind of shooing him into the Bama job once Saban finally retires when he's 130 years old. Um, I, I think it's odd. I, I, I think it's odd that you know the Auburn situation. Everybody's like, oh, it's Lane or bust. Like, I'm just so confused as to why Lane Kiffin is treated as if. He is just – he's the obvious prime candidate for whatever job comes open. Is it just because he's when, on when social OU media was mentioned, When his name he's, in OU was mentioned, I'm like, yeah, I'm out on that. No, thank you. Yeah, no, no way. Uh, we got to hit a break. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll do score predictions for the basketball game tonight. Coming up next, keep it locked on the ref. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the Ref Sports Radio Network. 